0: Hey guys, what's up? It is week 187, and we actually did record the 22 Shots Christmas special. I'll talk about the movies very briefly on here, but if you want in-depth reviews, um, check it out on 22 Shots. Should be up when you're seeing this, close to. Um, I was very sleepy during that episode, but we had a nice little kind of discussion about the children at the end for sure. But, okay, let's hop into the first review. (laughs) And this is from Full Moon Features, and this is one of the... um the Euro Scene Collection, that's right. And uh, this is a director, I think I've actually, they, they credit him as Peter Knight, but we we know better. It's obviously not Peter Knight, it's a, I believe I want to say he's a French director. And don't get me wrong here, here's what um, Panther Squad is, starring uh, Sybil Danning, who else is in here, Jack Taylor, there's a couple other faces, you'll see Donald O'Brien, it's got a lot of people that you recognize from a lot of these Euro kind of horror movies, some Jess Franco stuff, some Joe D'Amato stuff. So you recognize a lot of the people. A lot of them are like pretty much just cameos. This is a very weird movie. You think Panther Squad? It opens up with this uh, bunch of like uh, you know women in like uh, scantily clad shooting at like a gun range, and you're like, oh, I know exactly what this is. You think this is going to be kind of a sleazy, goofy kind of movie, but. In reality, it ends up being kind of almost a spy farce, which is very kind of lighthearted and very inept and jumps around and goes and just stops the movie completely that has these characters that are in one obviously isolated location. So basically what happens here is there is a... Uh, there, uh, what, a uh, terrorist, uh, domestic terrorist kind of thing that are obsessed with keeping the environment clean. So they kidnap a uh, top astronaut in preventing sp- this, uh, you know, space launch mission. So they basically kidnap her. <clears throat> it's up to Sybil Danning and her squad of like badass females to go in and rescue. Um, the fight choreographing and stuff is not very good. They'll do these real zoom ins when, uh, they want to get more coverage and they need to cut away from something. And, uh, footage obviously degrades a bit. Um, there's also like, it's funny cause the scope is pretty big. Like there's helicopter stuff. And I, I was thinking through half this movie. I was like, man, I would be so mad if I paid for a helicopter in this movie. And I, I don't want to badmouth it or anything too bad, but it's just such a low budget B movie and it's kind of inept. And there's a lot of people that say, hey, you know, um, French cinema, man. It's, It's just some of the best, but when French cinema is, the exploitation movies are are on the lower end, they're pretty brutal. and just taking comparison to when you take something like the Nazi exploitation movies from Italy and the Nazi exploitation movies from France, uh, the Nazi ones from Italy are way better. Um, and I know people are like Nazi exploitation movies are awful. I like I like them, and I like the ones from Italy a, mo- a lot better than the French ones. But uh, saying that about Panther Squad, this is like a lighter movie than one would expect. So it's it's more of a comedy than anything. Jack Taylor has this run this running gimmick where he's at the bar all the time, constantly getting drunk, and I. I think think some people will find that cute and fun. The when people are shot there's obviously no squibs or anything like that. We're going back to the days of the 60s when no you know early 60s when there was no squibs or blood or anything. So there's that Um, And there's all this weird technology that they don't really explain that comes out of nowhere. I I will say that this movie would be kind of fun for a group of people to watch. It's definitely a group movie and, you know, kind of relax and have a couple drinks and laugh about the whole thing because I I do think it's definitely in that B movie kind of great. And I'm not trying to be like, this is so garbage. But, you know, it is what it is. It's not necessarily a great film. It's very cheesy and silly and um, lighthearted, surprisingly. But this is uh, actually remastered from the original 35. Five millimeter camera negative or camera, yeah, camera negative, and I thought it looked way better than expected because this movie I didn't really expect to have, you know, very well. I really didn't see it being remastered too well. The only feature on here is there is a commentary on here, which I didn't actually get a chance to listen to. So yeah, but there is some people on here that you will definitely recognize, which uh, was kind of a nice little kick. Donald O'Brien's in the movie for like 35 seconds, but Jack Taylor's pretty much the whole thing, and Sybil Danning is the lead. So um, if you want to see some girls. bikini shoot some guns and punch some people with kind of a uh just a a ridiculous uh spy narrative oh robert forrester's in here too he's in a bunch of jess franco stuff not robert forrester um although I did make that mistake and said Robert Forrester would never be in a Jess Franco movie and I actually think he was in one so that's kind of funny but anyways uh, yeah this is um, Panther Squad with Sybil Danning Uh, check it out if it's up your alley okay this next one here is from Cauldron Films and this is actually Abracadabra Abracadabra sorry I can't even say the word but this is uh, by the Onetti brothers who did uh, what are the movies What the Waters Left Behind Francesca and they kind of like besides What the Waters They Left Behind they kind of focus on these kind of neo giallo kind of deals but they're kind of done in like an art form or very artsy um so abracadabra this one's fairly short i think it runs at like 75 minutes or something like that and uh, I- i'm a fan of giallos and The one really cool thing about this is it incorporates magic. Um, I think the tagline is uh, is perfect. What the eyes and ears, what the eye sees and the ear hears, the mind believes. So basically, you obviously know right then and there that there's going to be some, you know, deceiving here and twist and everything. But the idea that the killer uses magical tricks and stuff to kill the victims is really cool. I like that. I'm kind of surprised it hasn't been explored deeper I know that Wizard of Gore kind of did that but this is different this is also a mystery so we have this magician who um had a tragic thing happen to his father it's kind of haunted him and you know that there's something kind of in the past that's kind of blurry and a lot of people you know Kind of ruined his career as well. So basically, what happens is um, right before he has a big opening night, somebody is murdered on the stage. He is not really a suspect because he was kind of out of the picture. So, what happens is he starts to kind of dig into it, and other people start ending up murdered. There's a strange bald man following him around, and there's a bunch of reveals. So, this movie's score, um, especially at the end, is very reminiscent of the score they use in Tentacles, um, which is used probably like in three or four different Italian horror movies. Um, if you hear the score from Tentacles, you'll know it right away. Um, it's a very, very kind of popular score. I think they used it in, what was that uh, kind of uh, piercing uh, movie as well, which came out last year, I think, here, a couple years ago, everywhere else maybe. But uh, yeah, they kind of used that score in here at the end. It's very similar. So, the music, they have their own music too. The music's really solid, really good good really fits with the giallo kind of style film um the aesthetic is actually pretty good like i think the aesthetic's fairly close as far as a lot of these throwback movies are concerned i think it it works well we have jim beam of course i'm in a uh yeah what is it? it's not jim beam i always say that uh jd um in here you gotta have that right you can't you gotta have that sitting on the shelf in one of these and there's a couple ones that these neo no uh, giallos that didn't and i was like that's not a real one that doesn't count but uh yeah so they, they got lots of things going on for it like that that I think work. Um like I said, the special effects are decent. The kills, they're kind of—they're uh, they're unique and the gore's all right. At one point, they start to reveal the twist and I was like, no, wait, wait, wait. That's completely bullshit and completely out of left field and nonsense. And then they kind of quickly kind of repair that and it all kind of makes sense at the very end. And it left me thinking uh, a little longer and I was like, oh, 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 oh. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, oh, duh. So I ended up kind of enjoying this one. I would check it out. It's, uh, I think, the first release from Cauldron Films. They are having two more releases. Releases. They also released American Rig Shop, the Sergio Martino movie with Donald Pleasence, and they have two more coming uh, as well. So it's uh, kind of cool to see a new company emerge, and if they keep putting stuff like this out, I will definitely keep buying. So that's Abracadabra. Okay, the next one here is from 2020, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna catch some slack for this. I know it, so I'll be fairly brief. This is um, Lee Wenell's The Invisible Man. So. Right when I saw this trailer, like, and I know I shouldn't base movies off trailers, right when I heard about it, it's like, it's a dark kind of re reimagining or whatever of the Invisible Man. It's different. It's nothing. And, like, I could automatically tell this wasn't really an Invisible Man. This was a vehicle for something else, which had the name and the idea somewhat. So, I was like, I- I'm okay with them doing that, but the movie doesn't really look like it's for me. It's it just... I can tell it's not going to explore the things that I enjoy about the original Invisible Man or in Universal Monsters in general, the mad scientist angle, a lot of that kind of stuff, and the, you know, kind of person losing their grip on on their sanity. Although it does have that, but it's completely kind of switched with the other characters. So... Basically, what we have here in The Visible Man is, in the very opening of the movie, we have this girl kind of escaping a domestic abuse relationship. Um, Movie's really dark. In fact, I thought the 4K was a little darker than expected. It just looked really dark and black and blue and and stuff. Maybe it's the settings on my TV. I just, I've seen 4Ks look better, and I, I thought this one looked way too dark, or maybe the movie's just too dark. Anyways, the color palette, not my thing. Uh, didn't really, it, none of, it's not bright, it doesn't really have any colors, So it's just really not my thing. I know a lot of people, sometimes that works for me, sometimes it doesn't, didn't work here. So she escapes into, into the night and uh, she gets picked up and she's kind of living with one of her friends who's taking care of her and come to find out that her abusive husband, who's like one of the biggest optic guys in the world, works on scientific stuff and everything like that, Um, he's kind of a non-character we don't really get to see him he's kind of in the shadows and everything he's passed away so uh, basically she's gonna inherit a lot of money and everything like that but there's some stipulations and all that she meets with uh, her husband's brother and realizes she's going to inherit a lot of freaking money over a short period of time. So uh, basically what happens is it's fairly quickly, even though um, it starts to happen fairly quickly, but it takes about a half an hour into the movie before we kind of move to the next thing, or maybe 45 minutes. The next half an hour thing is kind of like a gaslighting thing, where she's seeing things, and weird things are happening, like the stove is turning up, and all that kind of stuff. And no one believes her. And it's just like at this point where you're like, oh, please don't play this half an hour where she's everybody thinks she's crazy, and then you're like, oh, is she crazy? We know she's not going to be crazy because the movie's called Invisible Man* and it's two hours long, and there's no freaking way they're gonna they're gonna play that game with a two-hour-long movie. So, um, and it's just strange, like, so that really doesn't, you know, you know, there's an invisible man, and I guess they're not really trying to hide the fact to it, but they're definitely just, you know, playing that where nobody believes her and everybody thinks she's crazy. Although no one looks into it for her. no one does some simple things like check on the house or ask about the dog, where the dog, what happened to the dog in in this situation? Um, when she leaves the house, she leaves the dog. Dog, all that kind of stuff. It's just kind of weird and kind of vague where they don't even kind of dig into it so it's just like well they don't want to dig into it because if they dig into it it will reveal a bunch of shit and they don't want to do that so basically people just don't follow through with anything um, so there it goes and I know people are like why are you nitpicking this movie you'll let something stupid that is absolutely ridiculous like um, Ghoulies Go to College pass because Ghoulies Go to College knows it's a dumb film it doesn't rely on it's seriousness it doesn't tell you it's dark it doesn't try to change your mind on anything it's just entertainment this one is obviously trying to put forth a message about you know, domestic abuse which is an important one and it's also trying to um, be dark and serious and gritty in, in a way, and be grounded. And I know people are like, well, you know, it's not grounded; it's a horror movie. But I feel like it is trying to be more grounded than a lot of other things. And when it does that, and it takes itself so goddamn seriously, I have a lot of trouble taking, you know, the the plot holes seriously. So basically, what happens here is she ends up, you know, being falsely accused of them things and it turns into a big climax let me say some things i did like about it, the movie it's well acted it, it's very well acted it's well shot even though i don't like the color palette and the choices and lighting and things like that it, it, you can't argue that it's well shot it's well acted it's a well-made movie i just don't care for the script again um and there is some extreme moments there's obviously some um, well like you know planned out scares that are drawn out in, in a way of suspense in a good way um But, besides that, I could get into some nitpicky things that kind of just really bug me to the point where I just can't really like this movie that much. Although, I can respect that it is a well-made movie. I don't care for it, and it will not be coming near my top 10. Uh, So, spoilers here. If you haven't seen The Invisible Man, go ahead and skip to the next review. There's timestamps and everything like that. So, anyways, here's the reasons I don't particularly care for the movie. And I know, like I said, it's being nitpicky. But, At one point, she's accused of a murder in a restaurant, and we see the knife fly up and then cut the woman's throat. It doesn't really land in her hand, if I'm remembering correctly. And even if you did, there's one point where the knife has to get into her hand, or it has to raise like that in a weird way, in a jerky kind of way. Although they use that at the end, and the way they show it looks convincing enough that you wouldn't expect that that happened, especially the way she set that up. But at this point, it looks very, very shaky and weird. We live in a new in a world where everything is filmed all the time, security cameras. Are you telling me that she's saying she didn't do it, the cops are saying you did it, and then they don't review the security footage? Nobody's going to watch the security footage of a murder fi- being filmed? What? Another thing, in the hospital, everybody knows her name too. At one point, she runs out into the street in the beginning, and that one makes sense, but later, the neighbor's like, what, what's going on? She's like, will you drive me? And it's like a, a, somewhere, and it's super far, and he's like, okay. And you know the guy's going to work. And it's just so, at one point, I think the clock says like four in the morning, and it's just like the times don't match up, and this guy's ending up driving her, and he's just okay and cool with it, and everybody knows her first name basis. She gets put in the hospital, and this kind of a hospital, I'm not sure if it's a police station or a hospital, I'm pretty sure it's some sort of mental facility, but every security guard, all 20 of them that she comes in contact with, know her first name, like she's been there for a hundred years, but at one point, the Invisible Man does actually attack, and... He ends up killing or mauling like four or five guards, actually more like seven or eight, and there's gunshots fired and everything like that, and the suit has to have human strength, superhuman strength. They don't really say anything, if I remember correctly, but it has to, and I'm willing to let that kind of stuff slide, okay? We got this kind of suit, which technology, I think, could possibly be done, so it's not that far-fetched either. Um, So, basically, he... Manhandles and kills all these guys, and um, they're all confused, of course, because they're getting messed up out of nowhere. And there's gunshots fired, and everything like that. But then, when she takes the elevator, and runs down to the lobby, there's literally three security guards just sitting at the desk, unarmed, on I mean, on alarm, just letting her run by like nothing happened. Seriously, there's security footage. A, B, all those people called for backup on the walkie-talkies, you know it, and, and C, they and like they would have heard the gunshots. It's absolutely ridiculous. Like that kind of stuff is on unforgivably sloppy. And it just bothers me. It just doesn't make sense. Not to mention she dumped a bucket of paint on the guy and he got it off in two and a half seconds and there's no evidence of the paint being on him. It's just stuff like that, and it, it, the movie takes itself way too seriously for this kind of dumb shit to be happening in it, and I don't think it's a horrible movie, like I said, it's just way too serious, it's not something I like, I do not like serious movies that are full of plot holes, I just do not care for them, um, even when you get into stuff like, um, it's more so dark and gritty movies, and like, even when you take westerns that are serious, or something that has like a pulpy aspect, even Tarantino stuff, there's like a pulp to it, it almost feels like comic book shit in a way, and I, I'll let things slide that I normally wouldn't let slide because I feel like it's a part of that universe. And something like The Invisible Man where it's just so dark and so serious and so gritty and just everything I'm just like, I can't take this seriously when it's bullshit. And I'm sorry, it's just the way I feel. Like, if dumb shit was happening all over heat or something, I, I would feel the same way. And I'm sure there's inconsistencies in heat as well, but I never noticed them. I'm just saying that I can't take it seriously when it's just a lot of dumb stuff like this. And I do think a lot of people will love this for the basically what it's saying and everything Thing and having the ending it does, and I can respect that, but at the same time I just don't care for it, and it's not something I particularly like, um, so I did like Upgrade, and Upgrade was dark and serious, but I never got that point where there was lots of dumb things happening, maybe that was more of a sci-fi, more unrealistic sci-fi world where I could buy it, but anyways, Invisible Man, it's gonna make most people's top ten, it's not gonna make mine, so, uh, yeah. Okay, the next one here is another Jess Franco, and this is Vampiros Lesbos, the one made before she killed Nexasy, also starring uh, Soledad Miranda, who had kind of a cult legacy after all these movies she did with Jess Franco and from stuff before. (laughs) But this is one I always wanted to watch. This is the new, this is not new, but the Severn kind of deluxe nice edition remastered to 4K. Looks excellent. So um, also in German as well. This is a take on the vampire genre. Um I mean the story of Dracula, I mean not even a vampire genre, it's a, it's a take on the Dracula story. We have this kind of I don't remember exactly what her job is. I think she's like a basically kind of a similar job to Jonathan Harker. She's in a marriage with her husband. They seem to be fairly decent, you know, in love and everything. So she ends up going to this place where she's supposed to meet uh with a client in uh basically in Miranda. So she she ends up going there, and there's obviously an immediate sexual connection with them, with, with each other. Um, Jess Franco is also in this movie as a very strange kind of... Uh, he, he's like a groundskeeper, and he warns people about not going places. But he also is a crazy serial killer, and I think she encounters him at first. So um, anyways, she ends up going there... Even uh, against warnings and all the kind of things that you you would kind of suggest not to go, but she does and almost immediately they strip nude and go swimming together, so there's like obviously this you know the title of the movie they obviously have a sexual connection, and Miranda being a vampire, she has that you know that she can draw people in like vampires can do so basically what happens here is they have kind of a, a you know um, a, a fair deal, but Miranda sucks her blood like Count Dracula does to Lucy. I think is it Lucy, and um, she kind of becomes part of her and drawn to her. So it seems that everybody who has an encounter with this vampire is drawn to them, and they have that kind of psych you know psychic bond like in Dracula the novel as well. So she ends up having to check into a hospital because she's having kind of these mental breaks because of it being obsessed and there's also another woman who's had interactions with Miranda in this hospital losing her mind and there's a nice uh, twist or not twist but kind of reveal who she is and who she's related to in the movie which I actually enjoyed so uh, there's some unique things about this like I said uh, Dennis Price actually plays kind of the Dr. Stewart I think he actually is Dr. Stewart in the movie which I like Uh, Dennis Price was actually in Venus and Furs and a couple Hammer movies so it's nice to see him pop up in here I think he was in lust for the vampire actually the um hammer film so yeah he's pretty solid in it and uh he has a nice reveal too so they kind of turn everything on their heads in a a dracula world i mean it is obviously highly sexualized there's sex scenes and there's there's these extended numbers of dance routines on stage um but anyways i ended up really enjoying this one it's also shot in a highly beautiful location and the twist and the switching on their heads and actually the soledad having that Kind of um being charmed by somebody else is another take that's a little bit different on the vampire genre. So this is obviously one of Franco's better films. It has a similar soundtrack to She Killed Nexus. I would say these movies are very close uh together and, and they, they they share a lot of the same DNA, if not almost all the same DNA, you know, similar casts and everything, and it's just made kind of the same way. I really like Jess Franco in it. Uh, He plays a crazy necrophil kind of guy, I would say so. But anyways, uh, really recommend checking this out. It does have the featurette again with uh, the uh, Soul Dad Miranda um, expert on there. And it's such a tragic, sad thing. Listening to that story brought like tears to my eyes because how they explain everything. It was just like, that's so goddamn sad. I, I, that's the second time I said, I know a lot of people hate when I say that, but Hey, I'm sorry. Um, it's so sad and it's so tragic what happened to her and what happened and everything, the situation, it's just, and it feels like, um, I, although it's a completely about her and her tragic story, it, it definitely kind of, it goes with Jess Franco's story too, that he kind of had kind of a tragic end, especially when you think, of uh, Lena Romay too dying before him. And it's just kind of weird that he had two muses die younger than they should have. That's just kind of sad. Anyways. Um, I am becoming more and more of a Jess Franco fan. I have seen a lot of his movies, and familiarity kind of helps. Now, um, a lot of his low-budget stuff, I'm like, it is what it is. You know, he had $5 to make this Jungle Adventure movie he didn't want to make, and it, they're bad. They're not good. They're, they're not something I'm interested in. But when he's doing stuff like Count Dracula or Venus and Furs or She Killed an Ecstasy, I'm like, these are good movies. These are solid Euro horror films, and they have their own style, and I like them. I think they're good stuff, and I think that a lot of other people will enjoy them as well. And I respect Jess Franco because because, like Joe DiMaggio, this these guys made movies till they died. That's all they knew that's all they wanted to do and Although it's kind of a mixture of love for film and hard work i, I think so uh I respect the hell out of them for it and there's a lot of directors that could possibly make better movies chose not to care and uh these guys always wanted to just make movies, you know they, they did it, other people did it for a paycheck, these guys were doing it for a living, but they also had to do it, I think so yeah. Oh boy, do we got a super weird one here by uh, Takashi Mike And it is The Happiness of the Katakuras. Um, I had heard about this movie for a long time. Honestly, um, it was supposed to be a weird, strange, musical, zombie film, comedy thing. Um, and people were like, it's like the thing on the front says it's song of the music meets, uh, sound of the music meets Dawn of the Dead. And that's completely freaking inaccurate. It has like two scenes with zombies. It's not a zombie movie. And it's barely a horror movie, to be honest. It's more of a, um, family musical comedy then whore, I'd say. So, The Happiness of the Katakuras is a super strange film proving that Takashi Miike's movies are all completely different and weird. Um, whether he makes something like 13 Assassins, which is an excellent period-piece war film, which I love, or Blade of the Immortal, which is more p- pulpy, kind of. And then he has stuff, of course, his dark horror films, like Audition, and uh, the crazy Yakuza movie Ichi the Killer, and Visitor Q. The guy's got lots of strange movies. Um, and although I haven't seen all his movies, or even a majority of his movies i do respect him as a filmmaker so um the happiness of the katakuras i thought was a very fun heartwarming movie the music i like the music so it basically follows a family of a grandfather uh his son his wife um their daughter, who has a young daughter and her brother, so it's 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 kind of a family unit, three gener four generations, yeah, four generations, uh, living in this kind of uh, it's an isolated kind of a, a, a like stay, like um, I would say hostel maybe, you know, it's just this little area, this slice of life kind of a motel hotel thing they made themselves uh, for people to stay in, and uh, they figured that they're putting a highway through there that it would uh, essentially bring them lots of money if they got on the you know got it there quick enough, and the husband had just been let go from his job, so he figures this is a great way to do it. Um, this all this movie opens up crazy with this weird kind of claymation animation thing, which is really kind of bizarre, and I kind of love it. Um, it's just a weird, goofy, but fun and somewhat heartfelt movie. Um, <laughs> it's very darkly comedic, too, so the, they don't, they literally don't have anybody who stays at this motel or hotel for... I try to think, ever. And their first guest comes in and he's just like super depressed and everybody's like super excited that he's there. And they're like, here, take my clothes, come on. And then like he promptly commits suicide in the room by shoving the door key in his neck and they're like we can't let anybody know this we're gonna get in trouble so they cover it up and through more happenstance and bad luck more people start to turn up dead and it turns out that they're covering those bodies up too but there's definitely some weird kind of viral thing going on involving insects going up people's nose it's just a weird kind of element here and all the characters have their like fears and their things they're kind of obsessed with like the son everybody thinks he's a criminal and no good and um, the daughter always is looking for love and she has the it's just it's a really cute movie that i enjoyed and the music does get stuck in your head like if i actually spoke uh uh, fluent japanese i would be singing it for you but i've already embarrassed myself enough just being here so uh, anyways i really like this movie i I thought it was very enjoyable and i would definitely watch it again um it's just one that i kept thinking about where i was like you know what like watching it you're like what is this and then when you're done you're like Yeah, I like this, and it gets a little sad towards the end and everything like that, but it will go through animation and show, like, I don't know how to explain it besides claymation or stop motion. It's definitely stop motion, but, like, they just look like clay to me, like Clay Fighter or something, so it's stop motion, and the people, it's just really kind of cool. But there is a musical number with zombies, so I enjoyed seeing that and uh yeah uh, check it out for sure on the special features there's a really cool feature where um this uh Tom Mez is it who goes over a lot of Takashi Miike's career and he's like he goes through the beginning and goes all the way through the end spotlighting on all these different things that he did including you know big blockbuster you know family friendly movies the guy's done so much so much work and I don't need to tell everybody how crazy and great Takashi Mike is because I'm sure everybody knows how versatile he is so yeah that is Happiness of the Katakuras from Arrow Video this is is an older release. It is still in print, so check it out. I'm sure you guys will like it. And It looked very good for its for um, when it was made in like 2001. It just it, 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 I would if somebody told you it was made in 2010, I would have bought it. Also, it stars the, as the father. The main father is the guy from um, Haruko uh, the Goblin, who I actually really enjoy in that movie, and he's got a really good quality about him. So yeah, this is Happiness to Katakura's very recommended. Sarah!
1: それははい。More notable films from Mika's video years of Full Metal Yakuza
0: Okay, the next one is Brain Sex. What a great title, right? And this is by Hisayasu Sato. Um, Hisia, Hisayasu Sato, I've been covering his movies for a little while now. They think this is the seventh one I've been covered on the show. And he is such a unique director. They're, his films are perverse. They're full of voyeurism, um, obsessed with technological and media stuff. And this one is no different. They all run just, just a little over an hour, which I kind of love. But this is a, a film about... One one, one really, but there is kind of two uh, kind of obsessed high school girls who basically want to do this pirate radio show. And this one of them, and a lot of people on Letterboxd were saying this is Nightcrawler, but more straight to the point. And this, and um, it kind of is in a way that she wants to do this pirate sex show where she kind of voyeurs in on people and, and witnesses rapes and murders and all sorts of really dark things and reports on them. But of course, she sensationalizes it. And it seems that she's getting off on it and vicariously kind of, you know, living through it at the same time. It's really kind of dark. Dark. but um she actually hooks up with uh, another one of these guys who films at one point and he's no good and it plays into a young girl who's following her around who wants to be part of this pirate radio but uh, it all kind of comes to a, a you know, the main plot point here is when she meets with um, somebody who she witnesses to be a murderer. And this murderer wants to carry these murders out. And it's really twisted because he actually is listening to the pirate radio while he's committing the crime, knowing that she's filming and sensationalizing it. So it's like this weird Strange Days kind of getting off thing. If anybody's ever seen Strange Days that you can put this feeling thing on people and then you can put it and can reconnect it and put it on there so you can feel what they're feeling and live through it and and it's this weird thing like that so anyways he is literally planning these murders with her carrying out the murders and watching knowing that she is filming them listening back to them and getting off on them while she is getting off on it as well it is so much layers of weird perversity and everything like that that it's just super bizarre and there's also you know if you watch his film celluloid nightmares where the knife the camera (laughs) there's a knife on the camera and it's like that's kind of you know right to the you know what that means and everything. This one, we have microphone point of view. And I I read again, somebody thought it was like a prison, like a cage, like you're trapped within it. But it's just interesting that you get the microphone point of view that you can see outside the mesh. And at first I was like, "What? what is that? What is that? And I was like, oh, it's the frickin' microphone. And the opening of this movie is really fun uh, in a weird way that she's just running through the streets and saying all these weird things and catching people's attention and everything like that. And at the very end, it kind of ends in that weird way too where actually something horrific happens and it doesn't doesn't really seem like people give that much of a shit. Um, so that's Brain Sex. Uh, really weird movie. Really strange film. Uh, again, in his world, I feel like everybody's just standing on Ruptov's filming each other and masturbating. It's just a weird thing, and, and it's just uh, obsessed with voyeurism in media and re- and everything like that, and I, I've just caught on to, like, all the things that he has in his films, and I really enjoy them, and, and just spotting all the different things that but all the same things, and just how they mix and match together, and you can tell this is definitely the same director, and he has these weird fetishes and stuff, and, and they know no bounds. <laughs> and they cross a lot of bounds, but they all are the same, you know, it's weird. So anyways, uh, Brain Sex, recommended, liked it quite a bit. Okay, this one is probably... Um, Sato's biggest film. It's the one that I first saw years back, um, before I really knew who the guy was or anything like that. And this is Splatter Naked Blood. Yeah, this this one's weird because this is his gore film. And although his films are very violent and sexual, this one is very gory and sexual. And I was actually taken back watching this. I, I didn't expect it to be as gory as I ha- remembered. I was like, "Whoa, geez, that's brutal." Um, this one goes more into the scientific level, kind of like, um, sweet husband, sweet lesbian, honey rape or whatever. That movie is more of a, um, a scientific experiment. And also what is it? Curie Isian has that too. So he does have that element too, where there's this scientific experiment. So what we have here is a, 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 do, a, a mom and her son. The mom runs these kind of clinical experiments for, like, birth control. The son um, worshipped his father. His father has passed. He was a scientist. And the son is developing some sort of uh, drug that will basically turn pain into pleasure. So if you're sad, you'll be happy because it will release endorphins in your head. So anything. So uh, basically there's three women into this... um, the mother, the uh, mother's kind of a clinical birth, um, control, uh, session. And all three of them are very different. We have kind of a recluse who doesn't really like people who's an insomniac. And then we have, um, somebody who's obsessed with eating and loves food. And then we have somebody who's obsessed with their beauty and making themselves perfect and everything like that. So what happens is, um, the son gets in there one day and he slips in during the, the last session for them his medicine, his, his kind of, uh, anti-depressing, depressing thing. And he starts to follow them around voyeuristically filming and everything like that. And he ends up starting a relationship with the insomniac woman who, um, it, it's kind of funny how they start a relationship. They're like, I, she's like, he's like, I just really hate you. And I want you to feel exactly the same way about me. And I think that's just very funny. And they start this kind of weird relationship and it's almost kind of heartfelt in the middle of this nasty, nasty movie. So anyways, he starts to document what's happening to them and follow them around. and, it turns out that all three of them have these horrible effects to them to the point where, you know, one of them starts to feel, picks a hair. The the one obsessed with beauty picks a hair out of her body and she gets a kind of a rush from it. So you can lead where that goes. It turns into Hellraiser, you know, uh, pain is pleasure kind of thing. And the other one starts to um, bite off more than they can chew if that uh, makes any sense, leading into two of the most disturbing scenes I've ever seen. And to the point where I was like, I can't believe they're doing this. And I can't believe I didn't remember this was this nasty and then of course there is a twist with the insomniac and, and everything um, but yeah this this one's really crazy and it gets really weird towards the end because there's this weird dream machine kind of thing where she connects it to her cactus and puts it on her but she ends up putting it with the, the young boy and they have this weird sh- shared reality dream thing and it turns in the end it plays into that and you're just like what is going on this is weird I think I know but maybe I don't um, anyways very bizarre very crazy very good movie for me i really like this i think this is probably one of his best if not his best movie um it's definitely his most uh famous or infamous i should say um and i think that a lot of people that probably watched this one were expecting uh, similarities in his other ones like the gore and the the stuff like that but if you're watching this movie strictly for gore um then i would steer clear he's not a gore guy um in the splatter it's very much a gore film but From the other movies I've seen, they're more, you know, perverse and psychological stuff and weird things like that and ideas than than, than gore. Although there is blood and violence, it's not a gore fest or anything. But uh, Splatter, Naked Blood, uh, check it out if you've not seen it. This one I would recommend to a broader audience who likes the kind of extreme cinema. Um, The other ones are going to take a special kind of pervert to enjoy, um, like myself. But yeah, Splatter, Naked Blood, check it out. Okay, going to be very brief with this one because we covered it on 22 Shots. This is Ghost House, the children, a 2008 movie. I had actually not seen too many of these Ghost House pictures releases. I think I watched Brotherhood of Blood, and I said, you know, that's enough for me for a while. Um, but anyways, the children. Uh, first and foremost, I was very surprised by this. It was it was a very good movie. Basically, what happens is this this kind of family travels after right between uh, Christmas and New Year's. They go to this kind of isolated cabin area to have you know a good family thing and everything. And one of the kids gets sick pretty quickly and it seems that this virus is spreading to the kids and it it takes longer on certain kids and it ends up kind of turning them into evil, um, kids kind of a la children of the corn who can kill a child and the parents must defend themselves. But what's complicated is of course, it's your kid. Um, like I said in the 22 Shots, um, just like the Dawn of the Dead uh, Argento cut, let's say the lady gets bit. You're going to be able to chop off her head. It, it's just that thing, you know? It's very hard to kill someone you love, especially a defenseless children who, in your, in your mind, you're supposed to protect with everything. So it gets really dark and twisted, and some people die in some brutal ways. And I like the family dynamics between them. They all have a history. They all have, you know, some uh, <laughs> some uh, resentment towards each other, no doubt. But anyways, I really like this one. It's ble- leak it's dark the ending packs a powerful punch the children, good stuff um yeah we had an argument about the movie so so um i just listen to that if you listen to the podcast let me know what you guys think um i was on the you know the popular side of the argument so um three versus one but anyways that's the children okay the next one is from vinegar syndrome and this is the 4k release of deadly games dial code santa claus great cover man um, can't believe we're getting 4Ks of this kind of stuff. This is a movie that I might have heard about in passing years ago, but it never clicked or registered in my head. So a couple of years ago, I actually bought an import Blu-ray. Didn't watch it. Saw Vinegar Syndrome was releasing it. It was like, well, I got to have the Vinegar Syndrome one, right? So anyways, I picked it up, and I got to say, man, this thing looks gorgeous. It's a really cool late 80s, early 90s. I think it's 89 or something like that. Um, Christmas kind of horror film. Um, predates Home Alone. Obviously had some, you know, uh, you know, some... I guess what we'll say, some uh, very, what's the word I'm looking for? There was definitely some, uh, you know, anger from the director, I think, uh, which is kind of understandable. Um, Yeah, so, Anyways, Deadly Games. This is uh, uh follows the story of um, a mother, a fa um, a mother, her kid, and a grandfather. They live in this giant mansion. It's Christmas Eve. The mother is a workaholic. She runs. She's a manager at this toy store or something. She's she obviously makes good money or something like that. The mansion house is built really weird. It has a bunch of booby traps. It has a bunch of elaborate things that the kids obsess with. And he basically runs the house. He's like a mixture of Rambo and, and just kind of crazy. Anyways, this kind of crazy guy um who just seems a little sad and wants to celebrate christmas and as shown very in the, in the very beginning when he tries to do a snowball fight with the kids and they kind of run away don't want any part of him he's just a very lonely sad weirdo he ends up uh becoming a mall santa and uh he's fired for some horrible things and he ends up kind of uh breaking into this house through some uh situations and trying to attack the kid um the kid has to defend the house defend himself try to save his grandpa And there's lots of booby traps, lots of good cinematography, lots of cool roof shots and stuff like that. It's a really good looking movie, has really thick atmosphere. A couple parts get a little dark. I was kind of surprised they went there. But uh, For the most part, a lot of the violence is off screen, but this is a really good one. Really stylized, really well made, really well acted. Kind of a hidden gem for sure. I'm glad it's getting some love. Definitely check this one out by Vinegar Syndrome if you get a chance. Uh, especially for the holidays, it's Deadly Games aka Dial Code Santa Claus. And the last one here uh, from that 22 Shots episode is the survive 5 and this is Santa's Sleigh. Yeah, this is an ex-rental um, starring Bill Goldberg. That's right, Goldberg. I, s- I just wanted to just chant that the whole time of watching it. So I'll be very quick with this one. This is 2005. The cast is really fun. I'm not going to tell you the cast because watching all the cameos and people pop up here, um, it's it's really the charm of the film, especially in the opening. Um, there's lots of Jewish actors in here being killed by Bill Goldberg, who's Jewish himself, as Santa Claus. And the director is Jewish, very funny, obviously kind of a joke there. Um, some of them are actually even killed in Jewish ways. Anyways, this is very enjoyable, very weird, very goofy, potty humor, lots of one-liners and stuff like that. That I enjoyed myself. Um, It's weird because it's 2005, but you really think it belongs somewhere in like the time of Evil Ed, Jack Frost, the dentist, the stuff like that, Doctor Giggles. But it's just like weirdly placed. I just don't know where. Like, and Ginger Dead Man came out the same year, so maybe it's in line, like halfway to. I don't know. It, it's just really goofy and weird, but also funny and sleazy. And and at points we point out, it feels like a kid's movie, but then it'll have nudity and some. Violence and this is like I don't know who this is made for, but maybe it's just made for goofy people like me, and they actually do enjoy this kind of stuff because I did enjoy myself watching it. So um, that is Santa Sleigh, uh, very fun. Um, there is a nice little uh, animated spot in here that's uh, like Frosty the Snowman or Rudolph the Red nosed Reindeer. So there's also that, which I think is really clever and fun to add in to help with the holiday spirit. But this is Santa Sleigh, very fun movie. I would recommend this one for sure. <music> Grandpa, I want the truth about Christmas. If it's the truth you want, then it's the
1: scary truth you're going to have. According to the Book of Claus, Santa, Satan's only son, lost a bet and was forced to spread
0: Christmas cheer. But now, all bets are off. Ah, oh, my God! Santa? <clears throat> yes,
1: there is a Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> Ho, ho, hoes. Santa Claus is not a myth or a legend. He's real. Only he's not bearing gifts and presents anymore.
0: Christmas can sure scare the dickens out of people. He's scary, yet educational. I'm just trying to spread a little yuletide fear. Are you saying Santa is offing everyone who's naughty and nice? <laughs> Shot Santa? Get
1: <laughs> away! Santa's on the loose! This holiday season. Oh, oh, oh. Lock your doors. Bolt <laughs> the windows. Aw, oh, Grandpa got run
0: over by a reindeer. Everyone stand back. Things are about to get a little messy. And block the chimney cause naughty or nice Santa Claus is coming to town
1: Santa's sleigh go ahead kid let's see what
0: Santa got you I hate children okay we got the patreon pick here and uh, we have the Vincent price from the Vincent price collection the Witchfinder General, a.k.a. The Conqueror Worm. And I had actually seen this movie before. It had been a long time. This is a 1968 movie, if I'm not mistaken, directed by Michael Reeves, who did She-Beast and uh, The Sorcerer. And then he died very young and very tragically, and he was pretty much on track to be one of the great 70s kind of directors, the um, UK uh, directors, in line maybe with like a, a Terence Fisher or Roy uh, Ward Bay, uh baker or maybe like a freddie francis somebody like that you know he could have been a, a really strong voice and probably had a couple more great films in him this stars legendary actor of course vincent price who doesn't love vincent price i love vincent price by the way uh, every everybody should okay uh, so anyways, this follows the story of a real character named Matthew Hopkins who was a witch finder general. He would travel to towns, deem people witches, torture them, um, and he was an all-around piece of shit. He has basically this kind of thug with him that basically does all the torture. Um, and obviously, uh, Matthew Hopkins is doing this to benefit from it. So he gets gold or silver, silver shil- uh, shillings every time he kills someone. So there's that. Anyways, he um, gets word that there is... A uh, priest, a priest who's actually evil and uh, turning people into you know devil worshippers or sa- Satanists or whatever. So he shows up, which is funny because he he hates Satanists in this movie, but the last movie I covered with him, The Masquerade of the Red Death, he was a satanist. So Vincent Price is very versatile; he can kill Satanists or he can be a satanist. So, um, <laughs> anyways, he shows up and he accuses this priest of being a witch. Of course, he's going to torture he, torture him, his niece who is actually dating a soldier who had just left um kind of plays stupid and says he's the servant girl and tries to survive the best she can um when the soldier catches wind of this he does not like this at all and he makes it his his uh you know, goal to kill Matthew Hopkins and his servant. Um, anyways, this one's a really great film. It opens up with a brutal murder of somebody, um, and in the, in the kind of style of the torture. And it's just kind of takes you right back in 1968. You're like, that's a, that's a hell of a way to start it. Um, that's brutal. And there's a couple scenes and people get ca- caught on fire that are really effective. And when they drown the people, it's just really kind of brutal. And, um, You know, Mark of the Devil would come one year later, obviously inspired by this, also fairly brutal, but this one, man, this one has its nasty stuff, and I've always kind of enjoyed these witch hunt movies, uh, you know, from Witchfinder General to Mark of the Devil to, of course, The Devils. They're all really great and unique and cool. And I guess people claim this one, um, Blood on Satan's Claw, and The Wicker Man are kind of like the three big folklore horror movies of the UK. And they're all really good movies. It's been a very long time since I watched Blood on Satan's Claw, though. But I remember them all being at least interesting as hell. Um, the Wicker Man's a classic, right? Um, but yeah, it just kind of interests me in these kind of ways. This one's a, is that kind of like tra- uh, trajectory of films. But this one is great. And Vincent Price is, is not usually, he's not He's not Price in it. He's very scary. He's very unpleasant. He's very evil. His dialogue is always great, but the way he delivers his lines, his demeanor, it's just not the typical Price that you would expect. And I guess that's probably because Michael Reeves, if you watch his special features, Reeves um, didn't want Price in this role. He wanted Donald Unpleasance and he gave Price a hard time. He would tell him he was doing things wrong. And uh, I, I just can't imagine anyone yelling at Vincent Price. Like, no, I'd be like, oh. if I was on set, I'd be like, how dare you talk to Vincent Price that way? you but i mean seriously so he's yelling at price and and price obviously it worked because he came in and he was just mean spirited for vincent price um one of his best performances um like i said uh he's he's a he's icon and for good reason anyways this is a really strong movie and it ends uh you know on a crazy moment kind of very 70s where uh you know it reminds me a little of texas chainsaw massacre you know um, who will live and what will be left? Um, yeah, that kind of, that kind of quote there, but anyways, Witchfinder general, it's a freaking classic. It's got all these beautiful shots of, you know, the, um, English countryside, which, uh, are very popular in these kind of sixties, seventies horror films from UK. Uh, but anyways, highly recommended, um, good stuff. Um, a classic, one of the best, right? Hey guys, what's up? We're here for blind spot and Jeremy looks blind with his hair in his face. But uh, we're here to do my pick. I'm a genius. I wrote that down last night. Um, Anyways, we're here to do Last Man on Earth, which is surprising that I have not seen this. And actually, this kind of movie that I'm not seeing it is kind of like Criminal for me, isn't it? Wait, this is your pick? Yeah. No, this is your pick.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, this is my pick. (laughs) This is your pick.
0: (laughs) But I still haven't seen it, which is Criminal. Which sounds like it's one of those things where I was like, you should pick that one. Maybe. Yeah. But, But anyways... This is based off the Richard Mathenson story, I Am Legend, the novella, which is actually my favorite uh, novella of all time, or probably book of all time. I read it very young. It had a, a deep impact on me. But more importantly, it had a deep impact on George Romero, who, with a nightmare and this, decided to make Night of Living Dead. Um, and boy, does it show. Um, everybody knows that George Romero's my favorite director. Day, Night, "Dawn," "Dead" are my favorite movies. So, um... Watching this, I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, I had seen The Omega Man, of course, with uh, Charlton Heston, and I like that movie quite a bit. Um, this one is the first. Um Story-based, The first movie based off that story, 64, an Italian co-production that was almost a Hammer movie. Um, But after the heat they took from Horror of Dracula and Curse of Frankenstein, they decided to uh, make it over in Italy and sold the script. But this stars legendary actor Vincent Price, of course, as the last man on Earth. Um, And this is a lot more faithful than one would expect. And I was kind of shocked it was that faithful. The basic story is some sort of virus or uh, comes in and it kills everybody, kills the majority of people, but if the bodies aren't burned or buried, pretty much burned, they have to be burned, they will come back as vampires. But these aren't the traditional vampires. They do come out at night, they do feed on people, but um, they're, they're not your typical Bella Lugosi type vampires. Right. They're more weak zombies, to be honest. This they, is definitely the precursor to Night of the
1: Dead. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they I think A zombie would be a closer descriptor of what
0: they were. Um they do react to like vampire, mirrors. They don't like to see themselves Mm -hmm. and garlic causes them to be sick. Which would suggest that there's a possibility that vampires did exist at some time previously and in, in another point in history, maybe. And this is a, a mutated virus of it. Um, but anyways, this is closer to the story. Like I said, Vincent Price is working on a, a cure. Mm-hmm. And he's working with his friend and neighbor, Ben Cortman, who is actually surprised to see him in this movie because he is a, a recurring character in the book. Um And, uh, basically he's trying, and it it does this weird narrative structure. It starts off with, right in the beginning, they throw you right into it where he's in the house and he explaining everything about, he's explaining everything, how it works and how he's trapped in the house. And he has to listen to the moans of the dead yelling at him. And then he kind of flashes back and you see the entire story. Right. He kind
1: of has like a mental breakdown. Um, (sighs) after visiting his, his, a friend and then you find out, oh, it's his wife. Um, And it's like the whole story of you know, of like when the virus was discovered, how it was traveling. Um, he's a scientist, and so is Ben, I believe. Yeah, they both are. Um, they they work together. Um, the, and essentially, it comes, it takes everybody, and Vincent Price is the, the last man person. on Earth.
0: Um, this is this is great stuff for me because it, it's such a precursor to Not Living Dead*. And you're like, well, he based it off the same source material. But watching this movie, I was like. Oh geez, like this is closer than I thought. Like the little girl, his his daughter in bed, mm-hmm. how she's he, she's saying, "Mommy, I can't see" because she goes blind, which is just so cruel. And it reminds me a hundred and ten percent of Judy in Night of the Living Dead saying, "I hurt," you know. Right. It's just like that's a hundred percent. The the hordes of mindless corpses banging on your doors are a hundred percent. Um, there's this, also that wonderful moment where he um he forgets it's night and he dozes off and he has to drive back. Yeah. And, like, I was really expecting the vampires to be, like, kind of ferocious. But they're just like Georgia Romero zombies. He's like, get off me, get off me. If it's right Bryce just pushing them He's over, just, like, I was like... flipping them. <laughs> yeah. But, man, like, this oh. is such a nightmare scenario. And it, it also, I can see, like, bits of um, the people who own the dark in here. Also, the crazies, all that kind of stuff. Um, no, yeah, the rabid, rabid, Cronenberg's rabid. So, like, I feel like this movie... Um, and along with Curse of Frankenstein, I feel like those are very important to George Romero. Yeah. I would say those are probably... I feel like they got to be something that affected him when he was very young. Well, and
1: even the opening of this movie is really uh, similar to Day of the Dead opening. Yeah. Um, you know, opening up... And he's, you don't see... You see, like, shots of a city. And I think the very first shot's like, is, is it the world has ended or it's the end of the world? It's on, yeah. like, a church marquee or something. Yeah. Um, you see all like the abandoned expressways, buildings, parking lots, and then it zooms in and it's it's bodies.
0: There's bodies laying on um, the street and everywhere. It, it's and just like the opening of day and the newspaper right. flashes the newspaper up, the dead up. walk, mm-hmm. and you see the zombies coming out of like the Oh man. You know what? This is this is a hundred percent a movie for me. Yeah. Isn't it? Like post This is like yeah. this excites me greatly, and I'm so ashamed I didn't watch it. That's why this blind spot is perfect. Like, this is literally the stepping stone that I needed for horror movies to put everything together. And I actually had this book, Eaten Alive by Italian Zombies and Cannibals, when I was pretty young, and it opened. The first one they put in here was Last Man on Earth, because, and it, although it's not a zombie movie, it's a zombie movie.
1: You know, it's,
0: zombies like a, a new term that we have. It, it came in 68, even you know. though there were previous zombies, but... They're all intensive purposes, mindless vampires that are weak that feed on you. And they do follow Mm -hmm. some of the tropes and, and rules of vampires, but they are their own thing as well. Right. Um and like I said, them going blind reminded me of the people who own the dark, the hordes of blind people that are kinda just like crazed out there. Uh man, this is I know like I'm looking at people's reviews, like three, two, I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? This is this is a masterpiece to me. This is so and it and, and like I know people are like, Well, it doesn't have the stuff that Night of the Living Dead has, that political stuff, but also it has that kind of scary stuff. It doesn't have the documentary style that Night of the Living Dead has with the newspaper aspects. I mean, no. the newscaster aspects, which is what grounds it in reality more so. But it has all the other, like, little things that I love about Night of Living Dead in there. And, and plus, it's Vincent Price. And although Vincent Price is a little over the top, you, you love it. And at the end, he's like, ah, oh, eh. Vincent Price throwing <laughs> grenades, <laughs> right, smoke bombs. Yeah. Just... Eh, <laughs> <is, is, coughs> it's probably the funniest thing ever. Um,
1: very, there is a second character that pops up about halfway through. That happens in the
0: book, too. Um,
1: You know, and... You find it, but she's kind of like, like a like a half breed, a well, half well, living it, half dead creature.
0: The one thing I was a little sad upon—they do do it, but it's all condensed. Like this movie should have been like two movies or t- two hours long, but how uh, they do squeeze in a lot of the stuff that's in the book more than you would expect, and especially considering the later adaptations, mm-hmm. the dogs in here, which um, if you, in the book it, it's done really, it's handled really well and really sad. It's over like a course of a month or a few months. He's mm-hmm. trying to get this dog in his house. And, like, I don't want to spoil the book or anything like that, but I feel like there's a really touching moment in that. And, like, I haven't read this story since I was 13 years old, and I remember every detail of I Am Legend. That's how um, close it was to me. And there's also this uh, really cool moment where he, he realizes throughout the book where Ben Cortman was hiding. Like, cause he, he's always wondering cause he, during day he goes and stalks the vampires mm-hmm. and he realizes Ben Cortman was hiding in a certain place. And he, it's revealed when the new vampires take over the old vampires, because they, they make a weird suggestion. Well, not suggest they say that the new breed of vampires have taken a vaccine of some sort and blood and mixed it. And it holds off the virus enough that they remain alive, but they are vampires. They have the same symptoms, but they have not died. Right. The other ones are more mindless and they have died. So I feel like after their brain shuts down, when it reactivates because the virus, they're just not very smart anymore. And I feel like that's why they have that setback, and that's why the new vampires want to kind of get rid of the old vampires because they mm-hmm. feed upon each other and they're just not civilized.
1: Right, and then you know when they, you know, they hear of you know Vincent Price, and Vincent Price is going around in the daytime and killing just them. killing the nests. Um, you know, so so to the new vampire people, he's a legend. Like, yeah, he's a legend. He's like, you know, and then. The the character, the the girl, also says like, "Oh, you've even killed a few of us." You know, you know, Vincent Price doesn't know. He doesn't know that there's a whole separate society. He
0: generally believes that he's the last living. Super tragic too. Mm -hmm. It's a very tragic story. Very much Um, so. And I I mean, you. I think that Omega Man's a good movie, but I think this being so much closer to the source material is a better movie. I mean, they're both great. Yeah, you know, I I haven't seen the um, the new one. Uh, with Will Smith. With Will Smith, I haven't seen and that the one. the only so I reason can. I didn't want to watch that one is because they took the vampires and they took their individuality away and they made them a horde, which is just weird to me. I don't get it.
1: Have you seen it yet? No, no?
0: I, I really should watch it because like I like the source it. material so much. But yeah. it just, it just was always weird to me. Like, and Vincent Price isn't an everyday man. Like, uh, um, I don't remember the character's name in the book, but the main character, he was not supposed to be. He was supposed to be an everyman. Mm-hmm. And, and although they cast Vincent Price and Charlton Heston, it's just like... And then Will Smith, it's like, these really aren't every man. Like, I mean, Charlton Heston might be the closest, but Vincent Price is the farthest from and So is Will Smith. They're like, right. these, you know, but at the same time, I, I really enjoyed seeing Charlton Heston and Vincent Price. So maybe mm-hmm. I would like Will Smith at a certain point. Um, and it's interesting enough to see what the differences they've done with the stories. You know? Right.
1: And, that, and given... Because when's Omega Man made... Seventy one. Seventy one. So you you, got
0: you only got seven years, I seven think. Seven Maybe it's of a that. little later than that. Maybe it's
1: even later than that. Seventy six, maybe. I am not a hundred percent. Then I am legend is like 2008
0: Yeah. Ish. and also to mention that the, the vampires, they're all in like tattered uh suits, just like Night of the Living Dead yeah like it's such a stepping stone into that horror and everything well, um it's,
1: you know it's black and white you know there, there's this the, the
0: music cues so- sound a lot like music Knight, to a certain extent
1: um th- this thing with like like you know trying to gas is an important part i think in this uh in this story like you know he has, he has yeah. to get gas in his car He uses oh, a yeah. generator for his house um and in Night, there's that whole scene about, oh, we, we can get out if we get gas in the car. Well, there's a gas pump out there. Where's the keys? Um, there's a lot of that. There's just right. so
0: many small similarities, too, that are just kind of crazy. Um, even the argument, like, I feel like Ben Cortman, like when mm-hmm. he starts arguing with it, he reminds me of Cooper a little bit. Yeah. Like, and he becomes like, he, he becomes crazy and closes the door and mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it is very sad too. Like he actually goes to the dumping grounds at one point and he's like, my daughter's in that truck. And he's like, so the one guy's like, so is mine. A lot of people's <laughs> daughters are in that like pit and he just throws them in the burning right. pit. It's just like, Jesus. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have all the small little details that are so cool about I Am Legend, but it has the core story, which Mm. I was shocked to see. I thought it was going to be completely off. Um, And I was very happy with it. I I really love this movie. Yeah. I've enjoyed it quite a bit. I thought it was pretty good. good. Anything else to say? No. No? Okay. um, I'm going to read from John Stanley's Creature Features. And we have... The Last Man on Earth, 1964, 3 out of 5. First adaptation of Richard Matheson's classic novel, I Am Legend, is far more fateful than the second, I Am Mega Man. Filmed in Italy by director Ragone, or Ragona, with U.S. inserts shot by Sidney Salkov, or Sokum, I'm not sure that the director. It stars Vincent Price as a non-tainted survivor of a worldwide plague. All others are walking corpses, a mutated form of vampirism. Price burns their bodies during the day and, with the coming of dusk, rushes to his fortress to fight off the nocturnal marauders. Co-written by Mathenson under the name Logan Swanson, Emma Danielli, uh, Gicomorosi, and... Uh, Giacomo Rossi Stewart, various entry titles: The Night Creatures, which was a Hammer movie, mm-hmm. which is crazy because they made that. Remember that? Yeah, they really wanted to use that fucking name. Um, Night people, naked terror, and Wind of Death. The wind is cool because they had the, they mentioned the wind. Yeah, they say uh, the, the uh wind brings the uh, the European plague. I will say you know like b- before I read my review, um,
1: th- the I think the interesting thing when looking at like Omega Man and The Last Man is. Um, the Omega Man focuses a lot on like Trotton Hesson's character like he just wants to enjoy the time he has left yeah. like he lives in his like fancy apartment um he play has, chest you know yeah he, he has chess like like the billiards he table goes to the alcohol. theater and, <laughs> and, uh, yeah like he's, he he's watches just,
0: Woodstock and on a uh, yeah right
1: he's he's <laughs> just like enjoying the time that he has left and occasionally a mutant comes out Are we called mutants
0: in that they're one? mutants yeah. in that one um and the Simpsons actually made fun of that yeah. like, Oh, Omega Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, and, and in this one, like, yeah, like, Price go, gets home and, you know, he lounges in his house as they're, like, crawling at the door. And it's like he's trying to enjoy himself, but at the same time, it's like they are, like, right there, in, like, Just between the window and, you know, they are too weak to pull off the boards. But, um, you know, it's very, it's similar, but it's different. You know what I mean? I think in Omega Man, it's not quite apparent that there's a problem at first. And then in this one, it's like, like, yeah, they're there, but he's so used to it that he
0: he just sips brandy. Yeah, like he's just not, he's like, doesn't want to eat or anything. Right.
1: Yeah. What am I looking at? The Last Man on Earth? Okay. 1961. Two and a half out of four. He does four. Sixty-one's not right. Is it not 61? He's not right. Oh. No one, including Star Price, has ever had much nice to say about this Rome shot first film version of Richard Math- Mason's classic novel, I Am Legend. But in all fairness, it's not half bad. Vinny is badly miscast as the heroic scientist who's seemingly the sole human survivor of a worldwide plague of vampirism but the gloomy atmosphere of lonely, deserted streets is well-caught, and there are some genuinely nightmarish scenes of the vampires attacking Price's boarded-up house, which were obviously one of the inspirations behind George Romero's classic Night of the Living Dead, remade as the Omega Man. That is one sentence. That's the that whole terrible. review. That's bad. I,
0: I'm about to write a letter. I no, mean, usually he's not bad. I don't know. That's weird. That, I, I was like reading it, He like, got the year wrong, too. So he's just like, maybe that was the original year it was made in Italy, but not maybe. released until 60, 64. I don't, I'm going to touch slack for this. Um, nine point five out of ten, or nine, or four and a half, or as close to as close to ten you can get without giving it a ten.
1: I, I'd probably give it a four out of five. Honestly, it's it's really good. It's um, I think in the same vein as uh, Forbidden Planet. I think it's something that you kind of need to see because I think it just influences so many more than what it actually
0: is. And the like, story did too, but. Seeing this brought to life in, in like, the style, like, they mm-hmm. didn't have to make it like that. And a lot of people obviously saw this.
1: Oh, yeah. Like I said, I mean, if you, you know, R- Romero is, like, the father of zombie movies. You know, if you like zombie movies, you, you should probably watch Romero. And ergo, you should probably watch Last Man on Earth with yeah. Vincent Price. Um, you know, just just like we were talking about with... Um, Forbidden Planet. Like if, if you like Star Trek, if you like Star Wars, Star Wars, Alien. Alien, I mean, you know, like you should watch these movies that inspired the people who made the movies you like to watch. Yeah. Not because they're necessarily the greatest movie ever made, but it, I think it's nice to see where these things come from. Like like and how where, they're adapted and, and stuff. Right. It's just
0: interesting. It's just very interesting for me.
1: Right, and how how they changed over the years. You know, like you know, I'd i like to see uh the I Am Legend, just because, you know, well, I've already seen two of the three. I might, as might as well, as well see as the, the last one, one. right? Yeah. yeah. Let's see, you
0: know, what is this one saying about. And, and that's know. definitely a movie that needs to be done justice. Like, they need to just make a, a big budget, but don't go crazy with it. Like, you don't need this big city stuff. Like, keep it the suburbs, keep them alone, mm-hmm. do the story right. Um, a miniseries would probably be pretty good. But I, I'd rather see a movie because I'm not big on television. So, right. a three hour movie, you could tell the story in 100% complete. Right. Even a two and a half, I think you could get her a two hour movie. I really do. Cause this one was an hour and like 25 or 30 and it, it got almost all of the things. It just needed to pad it out more with the dog, more with the, the woman, more with Cortman and more with the takeover. And right. I think that we have, and more of him just kind of experimenting. Cause in the original book, he, he is actually every day he'll grab like a vampire mm-hmm. and he'll inject them oh. with a serum trying to cure them. And then it doesn't really. No, and he tries to keep, yeah. And he even mentions, like, I remember he, like, sticks one in the butt, like a woman. like, And he's just like, why does it always have to be a woman? Like, Mm. it just made him uncomfortable because he's so lonely as it is in the book. Yeah, But anyways, I love the source material, and I I really love this movie, too. And I I really enjoy Omega Man, too. I know um, that one's definitely 70s, I would say, cheesy yeah <laughs> like, and, and, and it's it's definitely charlton heston too like but he's got such a charm about him that i just like him like i like watching him in planet of the apes and shit like he's just him you like him or you don't he's kind of creepy looking i'm not gonna lie what charlton heston he looks like a microwaved um who's that one cowboy
1: guy john wayne no the other one jimmy stewart no the other one
0: Clint Eastwood? Clint Eastwood. He looks what? like a microwave Clint Eastwood. What are you talking? They don't look alike. But the funny part, <laughs> remember this? Remember the second Planet of the Apes when like he actually is fighting James Franciscus and he's just like eight times bigger than him? Right. I mean, like, this fight's not going to end well for this Come guy. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, it's like a dad and son fighting. <laughs> Anyways, Last Man on Earth. Love it. Uh, check it out for sure. I think next week we're just going to try to go back and pick the ones that we skipped over. So mine would be M. My pick is M. We're going to watch it. Isn't it supposed to be Kronos? We could do Kronos, but that would be another screw up. So I think we can do Kronos. Would you rather do Kronos or M? Man, M is three hours it's long two. and silent. It's two hours. It's two hours? We can do Kronos.
1: Is there dialogue in M? I don't think so. It's a silent movie?
0: Yeah, we'll do Kronos.
1: That's a shame because it's uh, Peter Lorre yeah. and I really enjoy his Well, voice. We'll get a different
0: aspect on Peter Lorre doing, watching it. I mean, it won't be the same. Are
1: we doing Kronos? I think we should do, because when my
0: being switched around, I, I just watch. <laughs> So, well, mine's mixed up like that. We could honestly just go back and we'd have enough to to do the old ones and then eventually be on track. If we, if we want to do it that way, yeah, yeah. that's fine. Okay, yeah. so do you want to do M or do you want to do Chronos? Let's do M. Okay, we're going to do M next We're going week. to do M. So, yeah, the serial killer. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. German. We're out. Silent. Okay,
0: let's get into these questions. Nick Moo. if you were in Prince Pespero's castle, how would you get out of there? Mmm, I'd... I don't know if I'd want to. If I was in the prison, um, it would be different. I'd definitely try to get out of there. I don't know if I could. Um, I don't know. But if I was not in the prison, I would probably just stay in there. Um, and I would probably have been one of those idiots that died. Um, do you enjoy satirical movies? If so, any favorites? Yeah, I love satirical films. Robocop. Any, any Paul Verhoeven movies. I love it. Robocop. Um, Starship Troopers are the first two that come to mind. I love that. And even... Uh, Hell, would even Return of the Dead be satirical? That's more of a just a playing on it. I don't know, but yeah, I love those. What's the worst zombie flick you ever saw? So shitty it made you uh mad as a bull seeing red. Hmm. <sighs> There's, I know there was one that just kind of, I, it's not the worst, but the walking dead started getting really annoying. Like it, it would actually anger me because like they'd have a great episode, a bad episode to the point where I was just so tired of it. I turned it off and stopped watching it. It doesn't mean it's the worst when it's the absolute worst. Um, you just don't care. You just turn it off. You're just like, Hey, this is junk. Like you don't get mad about it. You just turn it off. But I, the one that actually would annoy me was the walking dead just because some of the stuff they would do. Um, it's drawn out. I hate, I don't care for TV for that reason. Um, and then we have Horror Fan Forever. Where did you find the music you played during the House on the Edge of the Park review? I've been looking for that track for a while. I also love the soundtrack of the film. Um, I basically found that on YouTube. You just search uh, Riz Ortolani in a House on the Edge of the Park and somebody put the whole album up, which is unfortunate, but hey, you know, it's 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 a wonderful thing. Um, Ilk Vomit, I mean, a wonderful soundtrack. Ilk Vomit, what was your favorite childhood toy that you wish you kept and still had to this day? I still do have my childhood stuffed animal. So I kept that. His name was Um It's a hedgehog. Very original naming there. But um, I wish I had my GI Joes. I wish I had my Master of the Universe. I wish I had my Star Wars. I wish I had all my old toys, to be honest, because you don't really ever make money off them when you sell them or get rid of them. Just keep your old toys. Put them somewhere. I know people are like, you don't need all this stuff. Just box it up or something. Save on it. Trust me. You'll you'll miss it when it's gone. Um last video game you beat Jeez, probably double dragon for sega i would play that every once in a while very easy um just game that kind of comfort game for me double dragon arcade for sega genesis beat that a million times So that's probably the last one i beat or um maybe streets of rage 2 something like that does mr parka enjoy eggnog you know i've had it here and there don't hate it don't love it we'll drink it if somebody buys it i'll have a glass um Bad Brains Horror. Random question, Dave, who is your favorite Pulp Fiction character and why? It's got to be Butch. You know, I used to love Bruce Willis in a lot of his newer movies. He just doesn't seem like he gives much of a shit. So, um, but Butch in that movie, I enjoy him. I think he's great in it. Um, so I got to go with Butch. I also like his story the best. Um, yeah, definitely Butch. Uh, he's my favorite. He just also, I, I like his demeanor um, when he's in the car and he's like, Captain Kangaroo. And they see each other like, so it would be Marcellus and Butch, like that whole story. I just like their story. And I also like when he's in the um the pawn shop or wherever the hell they are. And he hears uh, Marcellus screaming and he's going to leave. And then he looks up and he sees a sword and he's just like, eh, he goes and grabs the sword. He just can't let him. That let that happen to him, I like that and you get that look too, where he's just like looking up at stuff, um, I don't know that's that's one of Bruce Willis' best, and it's Bruce Willis at his finest, and when he's great, he's great so, not always great though um answers i basically ask your favorite actor's voice or so i kid i watched house of the wax when it first came out and thought it was decent my favorite he's talking about 2005 my favorite actor's voice is vincent Bryce or leonard nimoy ck fave voice robert mitchum man robert mitchum's voice is so great i just love his voice and when he's in the opening of tombstone i wish he'd got to be in the movie but that that whole um narration just sets everything um, and the ending, too. Love it. He's in there. Dead Flintstone. English comedian Matt Berry has a great voice. Ilk Vomit. Favorite voice Christopher Lee. Also, yes, please report back on the umbrella release of Day of the Dead. I have heard that it looks better now than the an Ancient Screen Factory release. George Hilton. Fave voice Richard Burton. Uh... Isimisio? (laughs) Haha, I need a better username. It's pretty much my initials, SM, plus the word Miso. And yes, Miso soup is delicious. I can't believe you've never seen the host. I'm flabbergasted. The platform is incredible. Love the concept and execution. Didn't mind the ending too much, but third act did feel a bit weaker. Train to Busan Peninsula is just okay. Felt kind of -of run-of-the-mill in the sequel, with people turning against one another, and less focused on the actual zombies. The ending with the mom and the kids was so unnecessarily drawn out and melodramatic that it actually lowered the film for me. Casino is an amazing film. Joe Pesci is gold i would have to say fred gwynn has a nice soothing voice the kind of voice that will tuck you into bed at night and read you a bedtime story haha <laughs> watch a lot of the asmr other than my horse subscriptions and he's one of those actors who could prob uh rock at asmr if he was still alive great update as always asmr that's going to be one of the things that's super obvious when i know it but i don't know it right now eric townsley my favorite actor's voice is m Emmett Walsh, been in so many good movies. He's got a voice that right when you hear his name and somebody's like, M. Emmett Walsh, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know his voice. I, I can hear his voice in my head. Um, then we have Ken Coakley, Richard Boone, was also the bad guy in Big Jake, which also featured John Wayne's son, Patrick Nathan. Um, who would later do Spaghetti Western, as well as John Agar, who Wayne thought very highly of, along with Christopher George. Both Agar and George did a lot of movies with John Wayne. Neville Brand, Eaten Alive, uh, played John Wayne's buddy in the film as well. I should have put that in comments, so my bad, but I'll I'll address it now. Yeah, John Wayne always used the same guys over and over again. They were his buddies, his staple, and uh, he also would use people like Ben Johnson, of course. you know. um, But that's like John Ford got him on the set. So it's like... A lot of people like to pick their buddies and put them in the movies. So, but the thing also is on top of that, um, sometimes they would throw guys in that weren't like he, they weren't in a stable like, uh, Bruce Dern and the Cowboys. And, um, I mean, they got along from everything that you heard, but that was just a great casting choice there too. So, uh, yeah and then we have Travis Wright James Earl Jones or Vincent Price also whoever dubbed Gale and Beyond the Door Nick Mua voices the best of them are music to the ears and the worst nails on a chalkboard ladies first Meryl Streep amazing voice she can do so so many things Uh, with hers not to mention the plethora of accents she displayed wow Lupita Nuanga I can't say her name but she's also she's in Us and um, Little Monsters Also has a very charming voice or creepy, and in us, she does both. As for the gents, you can't go wrong with either Christopher Lee or James Earl Jones. Yes, the force is strong in both of them, but the sound they produce are magic, pure and simple. Jason Michael Willard, uh, James Earl Jones, Morgan Freeman, actor Emma Stone, Zach Puccinelli, Richard Ward, Robert D., gotta be Vincent Price, James Higgins, Lee, and and Jimmy Stewart, uh, Dustin Mills, Michael or Lance Hendrickson, Emma Stone, Jennifer Tilly, Christian Shaw. Actually, there is a ton, fuck throw brian clancy and ron perlman in there too and then dustin uh, erica mills backs up natasha leone uh jeremy r peter lawyer angela lansbury come to mind danny devito and katie Sagal too tim curry david bowie octavia spencer i'm not even gonna get into voice acting jack uh, all the tie between james james stewart james mason and christopher walken uh, levy everharts uh Catherine isabel emma stone Kathleen mc uh, uh, Elizabeth Olsen. Oh, also Andrew Divoff, obviously. Also, there is more of an accent thing, but Anna Taylor Joy's accent is fucking bonkers, and I love it. David Luton, the voice actor who dubbed uh, Marzilio Murli, who's in a bunch of spaghetti, uh, Polizio Tessi, my bad, and Thomas Milan in Eurocrime films. They have also dubbed Gialli in Italian horror. Otherwise, Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee. Speaking of dubbing, the guy who does uh, Al Cliver's voice in Zombie is in everything. He's in Cannibal Apocalypse. I-, I like his voice. It's one of my favorites. And then here we have comments. Anyone Oakridge, you put me on House on the Edge of the Park. It's so much better than Last House on the Left. That code red blue area looks gorgeous. Danny H., love your shirt. Possession is one of my favorite movies of all time. Would love to hear you review it sometime. I hear there's a 4K coming, so maybe I'll wait. Um, that's going to be a hard movie to talk about. So weird. Love the, love that scene in the subway. That's probably why I bought the show. I do like the movie, but it's just such a weird, crazy, intense movie. Um, boy 555 really glad you continued to be on the podcast and that you seem like a regular member now. Thank you. Zach Nolan, you keep JP on his toes. The back and forth between you two is great. No disrespect to JP. I enjoy his input. Yeah, I love going back and forth with JP, you know. JP also is one of those people that like, he, um, brings up a lot of points and carry, makes the conversation go like more in depth and everything like that. So I always enjoyed that. Um, bad Brain Tour watched a double feature on Bong Jung Ho movies, the host and Oak both were excellent. And it's fun to pick up the director's themes across many movies. That's what, that's why I love Sato or Fulci or Romero. You just see all those things pop up and Cronenberg, you know, it's interesting for me or Peckinpah. So, um, basically the question of the week, uh, for this week is best movie-related x gift you ever got. So there we go, because we're coming close to Christmas and uh, the holidays. So best uh, Christmas or holiday gift you got, uh, movie-related. So anyways, we're going to hop into the update. Okay, let's start this update off with the 4Ks. First, we have Pan's Labyrinth. Got it dirt cheap during the uh, Black Friday. It was on Amazon. It was like 10 bucks. Absolute classic movie here. Del Toro. Come on. Can't go wrong with it. We have Ghost in the Shell. Uh, I was like eight bucks. Never seen it. Uh, here are lots of good things. Or right. I know it's vastly popular for the price, uh, for the format. I, I wanted to check it out. Don't have an anime movie animated movie on 4k. So then we have the witch 4k. Um, haven't watched this since I saw it in theaters, definitely going to check this out again in 4k. I'm sure it looks amazing. Uh, remember being pretty, pretty great movie. So yeah. Then we have Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Looks like this bad boy was resealed. I I wonder if they just gave me somebody else's from Amazon. Anyways, wasn't very expensive. If I I watch it and it's broken, I will send it back. But yeah. So um, yeah, Godzilla, King of Monsters. And then the last 4K, obviously, uh, can't go wrong with the Dawn of the Dead Ultra 4K. It's my second or third favorite horror film or film ever made. Uh, all three cuts in 4K. Look at all the special features on here. Um, limited edition contents. You got an audio CD. Uh, man, just so awesome, right? Can't. I'm so glad it's finally here, you know? Can't wait to watch it. And then getting to the Blu-rays. Poltergeist didn't have it on Blu-ray. It was five bucks. Why not? Even though it'll probably get a remastered edition. But it's weird that I have two and three and not the first one. So, yeah, I had to grab it. Then we have a double feature from MVD Rewind Collection, Bolo, uh Blood Fight, and Ironheart. Why not, right? Then we have one from Scorpion Kino, uh, The Barbarians, directed by Raguero Diodato, starring Michael Berryman. Richard Lynch is also in this. So this one I've never seen. I don't think I've ever seen the Barbarian Brothers movies, but... Uh, yeah, it looks fun, you know, uh, sword and sandal movie, why not, sorcery movie, whatever you want to call it, Curse of the Undead from Kino, I guess this is a horror western, picked it up, why not, then we got uh, uh, a Sion Sono movie, Love Exposure, oh wow, that case is pretty intense, never, never registered that, um, yeah, from Olive Films. Uh, This sounds funny. Perverts prowl and women's panties tremble in love exposure. A tangled, tumultuous love story. That's insane. Guilty Bob Romance, another uh, Cyan Sono movie. This is uh, part of the trilogy with Love Exposure and Cold Fish, which I've seen Cold Fish. So this has two versions on there. Excited to watch this. Unfortunately, his movies are so long, you never can find the time to do it. Oh, yeah, I'm glad this finally showed up. We have the final interview. Um, I had a little small role in this. Fred Vogel movie, special edition here. This is the one I actually bought, and it appears I am a winner. Um, Very cool. Dress shirt, that's cool. Swatch. Uh, nice. Put that with it when it shows up. And then we have, uh, the final interview. This is the, uh, cast and crew edition I got here. That's very cool. Look at all the extras on there. Yeah, this is, I, this, actually, watch this, and I know, like, you're in it. You can't really say, it's, it's a really good movie. You know, Fred did a very good job, and it's completely different for him, which is also is very cool. So then we have The Painted Bird. Which, uh, yeah, this is supposed to be a super depressing war film. And uh, you say that, I'm like, well, I, I gotta watch that, because I love being miserable. And then we have Tag, which is another uh, Sono movie from Arika. Good price on this. Since Amazon UK's the uh, shipping's went up so high, I've just been ordering off Zavi, and Zavi's shipping is like $5 flat rate. It takes a long time, but hey, they got here fine, so why not? Uh, and then we have The Housemaid not seen this one good price on it i hear good things right another asian whore then we got some dvds i got from the grindhouse sale the facts of murder from mia communication they had a good sale it was about 10 bucks for that then we have uh lucifera demon lover another mia communications Not sure if it's any good, but we have Naked Obsession. I believe this is a Martino movie. Another Mia Communications. Yeah, cool, cool. You know, the more I think about it, the more I, I realize how underrated Martino is as a director. Then we have Snack Bar Budapest, which I've not seen. Uh, it's a Tinto Brass movie. So, yeah. All these were, you know, I think ten dollars or something like that a piece i ended up grabbing them uh i know that they're out of print and they might get re-released but uh i I figured for that price i'd grab them at the time anyways back to the video guys all right guys thank you very much for watching and as always have a good one